Well, you've spent a couple nights in Las Vegas at the end of conferences where yes. you didn't appropriately book your flights. And so <laughs> you well. wound up staying after everybody left. Yeah. Uh, Those were some of the bleakest nights <laughs> of my life. Everybody and welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast on finding humanity in modern marketing. Today we are going to do something a little different in that we are going to record a pod. We're not quite sure when this will drop. This is going to be our pod in the pocket, so to speak. And to do that, we have asked our amazing producer magician Jason to be the guest today. Uh, and the reason why we did that is because he has been in and around the audio and podcasting space for a really long time and has a great perspective on sort of the state of podcasting. So this is Pod in a Pocket. You like that idea? I don't hate it. See? Chelsea, you want to go first? I mean, not really, but I will. (laughs) I will. I I see. We're starting off as we normally do. B2B podcasting. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you work with a lot of clients who are like us. Is it continuing to increase the number of businesses that want to be in the pod space? The number of everyone who wants to be in the pod space has been growing. So businesses are certainly among that number. The biggest increase has been in the fluency of the conversation with business clients. It used to be something that people would bring up mostly because of their interest and with less understanding of how it fits into a marketing portfolio or a content marketing strategy, but more that they like them and they would like to do them. They also used to be internal, most of them. And I count myself among the small number of people who helped Uh, Some clients figure out that external is generally better for content marketing. I mean, that's something I've been hammering for a decade plus. But the fluency with which people will talk about how audio and podcasts in particular can help out a variety of their marketing concerns has been what has changed the most with business clients. Interesting. You know, if you look back, let's call it the past five years, Serial gets launched four or five years ago. And that is really what put podcasting on the map, right? Pods existed before then, but I mean, the mass sort of rush to be in the space, I think, can be traced back to that particular piece of creative. What are the things that you've learned that are sort of your tricks of the trade? You know, if if you had Jason's list of four or five things, we've talked about this when we first started this pod, what would those things be? So there's probably three things that I think are helpful to focus on that feel like tricks. One is that you should start most content creation processes by figuring out your specific strengths as an organization and making things which play to those strengths. Podcasts are very flexible, which means that as a medium, it tends to be good for most organizational strengths, but it really helps to know what you're going to be leaning on that you as an organization can bring to not even just make you stand out in a marketplace, but make the content that you are putting together specific to what you're good at. So, for example, a lot of uh, organizations' strengths lies in the internal people they have and the intelligence of them, and most organizations will suggest that they have great people. It's a good medium for that. Organizations also have access to other organizations, people who will pick up the phone, say yes, uh, come in. They also have 
physical locations and spaces. Like these are all things that you have to list as advantages when you're going into a marketplace. That so there goes our competitive advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that a shout at the people or the physical <laughs> space we occupy here on Forty Second Street? Remember both. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when you're stuck with us, you got to go to your second trick of the trade, which is to care about post-production. And I have worked with a lot of different editors over the past three years and am sad to report that it's really, really incredibly difficult to find good audio editors. And a lot of places still don't believe that they should edit. They think that these things sound crisp and clean and perfect because the people involved are crisp, clean, and perfect. And the mythology around that has gone down over the last few years, but that's still something that some people labor under. So that's the second trick of the trade, is actually care about that. Realize that the editorial team you're putting in place to make these things has to have a doubled skill set that's both editorial and technical. They need to be able to write and understand language and how to piece it together, as well as the technical aspects of cutting together audio. And that's difficult to find, but if you actually care about that, that'll put you in rare company. I like the fact that you said challenges in the beginning. Uh-huh. Like recognize your challenges and almost have audio and like the podcast world or landscape solve for some of those, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the challenge that we were facing with a thought leadership industry, how do you get on the space in the quickest amount of time without being irrelevant anymore? How do you work with mm-hmm. external market and stay relevant in that? It really is podcasts. Mm. And I think it's it's a quick solve. And it's really interesting how you said that the first thing is like recognize your challenges and almost have audio solve for that. Because the strength of audio, I believe, is showcasing the nature of the people involved. It turns out if you have people worth being showcased, it really can solve for a variety of problems because you know, ultimately companies are selling their people at some level or the other. Even companies that are making robots are selling the people behind those robots. And whether there's an eminence issue that you're trying to solve for an individual or for a brand, whether it's like a marketplace of ideas issue, if you want to be in the conversation, if you want to lead the conversation, if you want to go for just better spent eyeballs in a marketplace of generally clicks mean you're doing something well, it's really flexible for all of those things. Which reminds me of the third thing. The third thing to think about is that distribution is a different thing something you need to focus on. You need to know your strengths, know your challenges, play to that, use the organizational tools you have to set yourself up in good standing. You need to care about production and actually edit the damn thing. And then you need to realize that distribution is its own step and building a good thing will not distribute itself. And distribution has the same hurdles that it's always had and the ways through are the same that they've always been. It's some combination of resources, serendipity, networking effect, and prior prestige. It's the, it's the same. And there's no longer really much flat market or meritocracy in the content world anymore, which is a different story and a bit of a sad one. But in a place where every feed is algorithmic, that just doubles the, the power that these, these tools to have to the top have, for better and f- definitely for worse. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and that's a great one for the third one. Uh, I thought you were going to say uh, one that you've said to me many, many times, so maybe this is 3B or okay. 4 or D, have a space for the pod that is sufficiently broad but sufficiently specific Mm -hmm. that you can occupy it both with frequency and regularity and it doesn't get tired, but that it is a place where you can have a a listenership that expects kind of what you're going to do. 100%. When you said that to me, I I always thought that was a really good one too. Mm -hmm. So... 
when you look ahead, and, and look, this is in your business to do so, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you thinking about next as it relates to kind of podcasting and audio? Mm-hmm. There's a production edge that remains to be had for people who care about production the way that I do. And so I think about how to maintain that edge in a world where a lot of money is coming in and a lot of new players are having opinions on how audio can and should be made. So one is how do you maintain your edge for doing it well? Uh, I'm less worried about that one. As someone who came up on the early internet and saw what happens to sort of creative life on the early internet and as a writer and other things that I was then, when I saw what venture capital money and numbers of people making things did to the scene, the things that were challenging were not the quality of work that arrived. (laughs) It was uh, what happens to an ecosystem when that amount of funded work arrives. And so that's what I plan for when I look ahead, is what happens to a more monetized content ecosystem as far as the quality of the content when the quantity skyrockets and the incentives get bent in certain directions. So what happened with online writing and more broadly speaking, blogging and online community was that when your meritocratic platforms uh, change the way in which they disseminate things and shareholder money is at stake, certain types of content creation are obviously incentivized. And yep. it's ones that are measurable. Mm-hmm. That's why the entire ecosystem is measurable right now and still painfully terrible ways, which isn't something we knew 10 years ago. This isn't new that banner ads and clicks aren't the ways to think about things, but we just don't have better ways and shareholders need very specific ways. Anyway, when that happens, things tend to coalesce into very specific content silos for how things get made. And so if you look at how BuzzFeed changed the way we think about producing content on the internet in 2012, 2013, that's very much a product of venture money being dumped into a space, buying talent, and optimizing the means of distributing that talent and the ways in which it was talked about. So to exist in that ecosystem as another player, as an independent, you need one of these traditional advantages. You need to sound and look like BuzzFeed or optimize the same way they're optimizing. You need to have money to throw at the problem so that you can buy eyeballs against them. Uh, Or you need to already have a brand so large that you're not particularly worried about the market share BuzzFeed is taking away from you. The competition in that space from 2012 to 2016 basically sunk the online content market as a viable place to have sort of anything interesting being made. And podcasting is now at an inflection point that might look a lot like that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because we are certainly semi-post-collapse. Yeah, BuzzFeed's still around, but they're in a scrap. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots and lots of players are gone. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, a terrible spring. Yeah, for I mean, you know, Mike.com. Yep. You do kind of get a little bit, and we've talked about this before, but you do kind of get a little bit of the feeling in the pod market that it's, you know, the fall of 1999. Sure. (laughs) Slash the spring of 2008 from a market perspective. Do you worry about that? Considering that I graduated college the spring of 2008. (laughs) Yeah, that one resonates. (laughs) How'd that one go? Well, yeah, working out great. I I do think, I do worry about that. I do think that, now, having said that, there's plenty of other places for it to go. And, you know, if you think about the development of original fictional content Mm -hmm. for pods, if you Mm -hmm. think about a merging of the book on tape versus 
you know, podcasting mm-hmm. market. Like there's places to go, but certainly, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of piling in at the moment, which yeah. which worries you. There's a lot of things I love about the medium and that make it feel strong enough to maybe resist some of the forces yeah. of of flattening out. But it's been happening for the last few years in small small bits. It's just sure. escalating now that Spotify is jumping in with a half a million or half a billion dollars in a year to get invested. And from the looks of it, that means Apple might be following up and starting to care about the things that have been happening in their sort of lovingly unattended backyard yeah, boy, for they the last really, couple decades. I mean, it has just sat mm. there uh-huh. and they haven't done anything, which is yeah. a little unlike them. It is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they never had a department. It was always like just three dudes. <laughs> It really was. It's the weirdest thing to get that something. Explains it yeah, all. no, to get something on iTunes quickly, you just need to know Dave. Yeah, it's like it. <laughs> you think I cover both sides of the coin sufficiently? Where I'm like wildly optimistic about this as the only marketing yeah, tool that works. Yeah, and we're works. like, and then we're all gonna die. And then we're all gonna die. Because I honestly do think it's both. I think of all the content marketing streams, this is by far the best. It performs the best. The numbers are there. The content quality is the best without an incredible overhead to get you there. It's flexible to meet all the needs that like a marketing organization has. And there's still room for growth to do it better, and a lot of places are still doing it bad. There's so many good signs there, and yet the internet content ecosystem is a mess. Yep. And this has a lot of the signs of the kinds of things that make content ecosystems a mess. So that's the full picture. So, Chelsea, anything else you want to add? No, I kind of want to jump in the lightning round. Jason, you ready? Some of I'm these, ready. Uh, we're, this is going to be an extended lightning round because we've kind of done an abbreviation. All right, ready? Yeah. Favorite digital experience? Vine's dead. Tumblr's effectively dead. Uh, all my favorite digital experiences are dead. That's where we are right now. Okay, great. That was uplifting. Uh-huh. <laughs> Best piece of content recently consumed? I really enjoyed Pen15. Pen15. Mm-hmm. What is that? It is, it's either a Hulu or a Netflix production. And it is two comedians, I think in their late 20s, who made a show about them being in middle school and they both play middle schoolers and the rest of the cast is actually cast with middle schoolers. It's an incredible like 10, 12 episode arc that is equal parts like really, really funny and exactly about the years I was in middle school, which is a delight to now be at the age where people make good media about the times you lived. Mm. So that's a fun part of being in my 30s. Favorite human element episode? I always remember the Cadillac one. I don't know why. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. He, they were great energy with those two. And I think the thing, just the, the partnership between the two. Were yeah, very, I think that's real. that's yeah. one of the early ones where yep. it really clicked that, you know, the name, the human element had a few facets to it that when they work together are really a fun thing. When the people involved yep. know and care about each other and care about the work that they're doing and the work they're doing is human centric. That's a good show. I think that's right. Best night you've ever spent in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, boy. You know very specifically the answer to this. Yeah, you are <laughs> you fishing are for fishing. compliments. <laughs> I don't need a compliment. I really just want to know the answer so to the question. I have spent at least a dozen nights in Las Vegas, which yes. is at least 10 too many. But the the best night I did spend there was my birthday a year ago. Yes. Yes, where uh, Robert and let's plug another great podcast. <laughs> I'm not Ro- plugging that podcast, <laughs> but they do a good job. You can look it up. It was my old company. Yeah, and the old company uh, took me out. I'm not going to let anyone know when it's my birthday until the last minute. We did dig that up. Yeah. And so they they rose admirably to the occasion, including some fella from Germany who decided tequila shots at 2 a.m. were the, the order of the day. And there is wonderful footage of the moments I'm blacking out. <laughs> For you to remember. While singing, while singing alongside Robert. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Most recent significant experience in your life. 
Anything happening recently? You have intel on this, huh? I don't know. I just thought you might want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I got engaged. Really? Yes. Congratulations. I didn't know. Thank you. <laughs> Chelsea, did you know this? This is hard to watch. <laughs> and yet nobody will have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'm letting everyone live through me. It's just like they have to hear our authenticity here. Don't sell us out. I got That's engaged. That's great news, though. How did it happen? That's your authenticity? Where did it happen? How did it happen? happened at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden and on top of Daffodil Hill, for those of you that know what the was Botanic the Garden. Um, 60s. It was the first mm, nice day, day of spring. So if you think back to this spring, the first day you went out is probably that day. So all kidding aside, congratulations. Thank That's you awesome. very much. You're going to love this one. Okay. The most enduring, useful thing that you got from your time at Hamilton. Other than a steel-solid liver. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot to do on that hill. <laughs> February up there in, uh, what is it, Clinton, New York? No, yeah, Clinton, right. New York. February yeah. feels a lot like everything from August till May. <laughs> it's, it's a two-season town, and college is one of the seasons. Uh, Anything else we want to cover before we go? Wait, what? what is your favorite pod in general? Historical favorites worth mentioning <laughs> are You Talk and You Too to Me, which is a foundational absurdist podcast about the band You Too. Change the way I thought podcasts could be made. Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything is an absolutely delightful show that was post-truth before we got to the point where we needed to be post-truth. Mm. I am constantly confused as to what's real and what's fact, and it is uh, beautifully curated to make you feel as such. Uh, yeah, those are, those are two that don't get enough praise that are worth mentioning. Love it. Jason, any last words of wisdom? Make podcasts. Make good ones. Let's see how far we can ride this thing out until <laughs> they destroy this ecosystem, too. <laughs> Make podcasts, not war. Yeah. Uh, or at least until the VCs and, and venture. Force your hand otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Well, thanks for joining us in this lovely, weird pod that we just created. Pod in a pocket. Pod, pod in a pocket. pocket. You can hear us anywhere you can hear a pod. Uh, and we'll be back out to you next Friday. <laughs>